guys. Welcome back <laughs> to another episode of Miss Congeniality. We have video, we have audio today, and we have an amazing guest. For those of you who don't know this shining star, you might know her as James is smiling on TikTok and Instagram. They are an actor living in New York City, but there's so much more than that. Like <laughs> I was reading your bio, honey, and I was like, okay, we are a health at every size, personal trainer and trauma-informed yoga teacher. I'm like, we are writing about gender liberation, eating disorder recovery, trauma, sex, feelings. Like I was like, okay, we are so much more than just an actor. And I feel like sometimes when we are creative in some category like for me being a writer or even being a content creator all of a sudden it's like you have to be that like mm -hmm. you're not allowed to exist as like anything else and one thing I try to do on the podcast is like talk about the way that like people but specifically like women and femme presenting people how we're not allowed to be more than one thing like ever and it gives me so much anxiety that's why it's called miscongeniality like be a little bit of everything and i love that about you thank you yeah i remember somebody asked me to define what i do in some sort of like meeting i don't know over zoom or whatever and i said i am a storyteller and it just clicked in that moment yeah it's like i'm a storyteller and i use a bunch of different mediums to tell stories but the yeah. thing that lights me up is like what is the the greater connection to our humanity in this story? And that can be a story that I'm telling with a play or a musical, or that's a story that I'm telling through a TikTok video, or it's something I'm writing about that's a story that matters to me that I hope would matter to you. Yeah. You know, it's just there are different ways and like things that I use to weave in storytelling. So yeah, I feel like people that aren't theater people also don't really get like when you grow up doing theater, you develop a level of empathy mm. that's a bit like more I, I think it's just more intelligent almost it's like at a higher level because you're like embodying characters from a very young age and you're also learning to like interact with people within their own identities but also the identities that they're portraying on the stage a lot and, of self-awareness and yeah. yeah and I think like it because people will always ask me like how do you come up with ideas for your videos how do you stay creative all these things and I'm like I at my core I am a theater person and like that is what we all go back to yeah. wh with so many of us who like like to tell stories right and so many of your favorite TikTok creators have a BFA like, oh almost every so single one I can many. only think of one person only Brittany Broski that I can think of that's like a huge creator that doesn't have a BFA no like they sure all or just like an arts degree <laughs> like they're right. all art people everyone's an entertainer of some of sort. some kind yeah so I love to kick off my episodes asking my guests Ooh. a tough question that I feel like people do right. not get asked mm. and I want you to know that your answer to this question it doesn't need to be something you're looking to resolve what is your fatal flaw? And again, this could be a flaw that you have accepted that you will have for the oh. rest of your days, like, and that you would like to just like live with and exist with, and you might even like it. My fatal flaw is that I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> even if I'm not, there are occasions where I'm not, but it's rare. And like, I work really, really hard to understand if I'm speaking on something, I'm definitely right. Cause I'm speaking about my personal experience. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah, really yeah. arguments there, but when I feel passionately about something, I will have a righteousness that like, I will just eviscerate you intellectually yeah. if I disagree with you and I don't care who you are. Yeah. And it's been something that has really gotten a lot of doors open for me in the past and also like, really some slammed some doors yeah. in my face because I've always been a talented arguer and persuader. And yeah. so when I feel convicted about something or I feel something in my conviction what's the tense of that word I'm looking for it doesn't matter see I'm yeah. not gonna be right there but like <laughs> <laughs> I you will, are. I just 
I have to be right and I have to make sure everyone understands why that is. Yeah. And usually that's like really aligned with like my moral compass. So when that comes out is like about trans rights or about like social justice yeah. or about like it's not like I like this play and you don't. So therefore you're wrong. It's yeah, about yeah, something yeah. that really matters to me in the world. No, for sure. But that's I would say my fatal flaw because then I'll end up caring a lot about the subject. Yeah. And I can't let it go. Well, OK, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because I think a lot of people again with the gender misconstrue Ugh. women just like being correct with like oh she's a bit she's so pushy mm -hmm. or whatever yeah i was just listening to a podcast that teffy was on i don't know if you've seen teffy on tiktok no, she's amazing and the per like the podcast host asked her um like what she's greedy about or something like that Ooh. and she was like attention and she was like but not in a bad way i just want everything she was like i want the egot like <laughs> i want it and that yeah. doesn't make me a bitch and that doesn't make me crazy like i am just a person that like wants to go out and get it all and i want to show other people that they can too and i was like that's yeah. so refreshing because i almost always feel like i'm trying to like make myself be like like oh i'm wrong or like oh i can't oh like you know what i mean i yes. can't be so loud and like have all of these opinions i need to like squish myself i think it's really interesting to hear that perspective as well and i've talked to a lot of cis women in my life about this because one of the party favors that I picked up from being socially conditioned as a man, even though it was an incorrect social socialization and it didn't fit the core of who I was, there were some things that I was afforded, such as the idea that when I walk into a room, everyone will listen. Because when men walk into a room, we you're trained as a man that you have a valuable opinion and that it's good to want things, that your ambition is something you want. You know, insert like Taylor Swift's The Man playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's like <laughs> you're, you're conditioned that that is a good thing yeah. that you should run after. And then kind of back to your multi-hyphenate thing, you know, any, any person that's not a man that wants an EGOT, wants multiple things, does multiple things has their hands in a lot of bowls is inconsistent or flaky or like watery Flighty. right now what's interesting is because people don't know where to put me as a non-binary person in yeah. terms of like what gender role to assign me I get a little bit of a mix of both yeah I notice that if I say I want this I'm right about this I deserve this people listen to me I think some of them are still thinking of me as a man incorrectly which is yeah. a really sad Tough. construct and then I think other people are seeing that as like oh my gosh look at this femme who is taking what they learned from you know cosplaying as a man for years yeah. and applying that to feminine spaces and wanting these things that women and other non-men have been taught we can't have yeah that's what I would hope the impact is yeah but I would have said my second fatal flaw was ambition so it's interesting yeah. to hear that that was your no I love that because I really looked up to you and your content for a really long time because I think that you filled a space for me where I was like this this is a person who just like knows that they're worthy mm. and I just like sometimes didn't feel that way and I would watch your content and be like, it's almost like you just knew you were worthy, but you also like knew people couldn't take away your worth, even if they were trying to. And like, you're so confident in that. And then I like read your Instagram bio or something. And I was like, it's just like this like inner confidence <laughs> that you like absolutely radiate. Thank Where you. does it like come from? Or if you think that those things are false, like, let me know. But like, I really just see you as a person who like feels like I'm worth it. And I love Thank that. You. I really have to hand it to the social conditioning that told me that I was. And I also think that the systems that I grew up in really benefited me. So I think a lot of it that you're seeing is just like 
the privilege of, for instance, the school system, the way that the school system is built is like it rewards hard workers. It rewards like white people that yeah. think, right? Well, I was a hardworking white person that, that thought, thought a lot yeah. and like had deep ideas and whatnot. So that was privilege to the nth degree, right? Like I like broke records for like the highest GPA at my school, <laughs> like stuff like that, which is not which is not so much a brag as it is to illustrate the way that that system privileged me when it doesn't privilege a lot of people because like there were other people that I think were objectively book smarter than me that didn't work as hard because they didn't have to and they knew that secret but I was there to outwork them you know what I mean yeah you were like that's why I'm showing up today so then all the adults in my life I got so much positive social reinforcement for being an amazing student like when we were having this this is so funny when we were having the like discussion of where to go to colleges I applied to like 14 musical theater schools because I knew that's what I wanted to do I was like I will get my musical theater degree and then my safe schools I applied to all seven Ivies and I was like get into at least one no but like bitch who does that we need that energy who does that i (laughs) cannot express it enough like when you tell yourself like i'm so fucking hot like you will actually see a physical change because you will believe it totally when you tell yourself like "Um, this is my fucking safety school like harvard Like it's hard. Like, like no, it's like, hard. Look at her. Alpha, <laughs> she literally. she rose to the top. How did she do it? She just like bitched her way there. And I think that as far as confidence goes, I think confidence is fake. Like I it don't. Is. I I think it's just a mindset. I think it's just walking in and saying I deserve this. Like yeah. Because when I <laughs> I saw this quote at one point that said if you had a five minute conversation with any Fortune 500 CEO, your imposter syndrome would be gone. And personally, I've never really looked up to Fortune 500 CEOs as people to aspire to be. I said that and I meant it. We meant it. We meant that. Contact me. I want to talk to you for five minutes and cure my imposter syndrome. (laughs) And uh, then I also remember like people like Amy Coney Barrett hold power in our society. People objectively unqualified for the positions that they hold. Right. Yeah. And so who am I to gaslight myself out of my own qualifications, out of my own worth and like what I deserve? Yeah. Because. The, the truth is somebody's always going to say that you don't deserve it. So why do you need to be the person to say that? Somebody else has already filled that role. Somebody thinks you're, you're not good so enough. Right. Somebody thinks I'm not good enough. I don't need to fill that role in society. But the role yeah. in society that maybe does need to be filled is the one that says your story is worth telling. You have a unique experience that could offer something like what your brain does is different than anyone else's. And the only person that knows the potential and the capacity of your own brain is you. Yeah. And I think because I publicly transitioned earlier than like the rise of TikTok, I had time to establish myself as a transgender person and as a non-binary person and decide that those things were worthy. Yeah. Because I knew and I still know by walking into a room, people don't know what to do with me. Nowadays they really want to accept, but they don't know how, they don't know the right yeah. words. There's a lot of well-intentioned harm i guess that's yeah, yeah, happening yeah. but then there's also the people that are like we hate you we want you to die here's 20 210 bills today is the count of like anti-trans legislation that's currently on the floor across yeah. the united states 210 bills can they like go touch grass do they have but my thing is do they have nothing else to accomplish like oh, shit exactly. it's a fucking dumpster dumpster fire out and there girl like focusing on? and this is what yeah. you're doing like it's just hate it's just baseless hate it is so for me my walking into a room and saying i deserve the attention or i deserve this job or whatever it is is also a radical act of resistance against yeah. the state violence that says we want to kill you yeah. like we are living through a trans genocide right yeah. like young trans people that can't access affirming surgery they're or, or hormones or whatever they need 
and I mean young people, some of them are young adults, some of them are kids, like it depends on yeah. what your individual situation is, right? There are trans kids right now that will not grow up to have what I have. And that like that kills me, like thinking about that. Mm. And if I walk into rooms because I got handed a really good deal, right? Like I just got a lucky set of cards. And yeah. so I feel like part of my responsibility is to name that, but also to run with it. Yeah. Because if I can like just pull this relay race one degree further, then like maybe we get a couple more trans kids that get to grow up because yeah. somebody with influence and power more so than I have sees me as a human being that does deserve yeah. those things. And we start to convince gatekeepers of our worth. So it's an act of resistance. I love too. that. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's a politic. Yeah, it really is. And like what you said about confidence being fake is so true. <laughs> I, I'm always like, it's kind of an accessory. Like you throw it on yeah. when you're leaving the house mm. and like you throw it on like you pick out your purse and it's just a thing that you have. <laughs> I love your purse. Too. Oh my God. Thank you. But it's like a thing that you have and nobody's like, yeah. you don't have that because you're like, it's, it's, if you think about it as a tangible thing, it's something that you can have mm -hmm. and it's a choice too, yeah. which yeah. I love. Yeah. I think I also, once I started crying on the internet and like once I started, <laughs> I really did this favor to myself early on. I used to do these sex stories. I don't know if we were connected when I did these. It was like when I had like 3,000 followers. I it think, I saw, I think I've think i seen some of them, honestly. Maybe. The but musical would... theater, like people on, on the internet, like I'm a magnet to them. Like I'm always <laughs> getting like the girls, the gays, the days, anybody that's like, <laughs> doing musical anyone theater. that ever like breathed in a theater before it's like on my front page. oh my god i love that <laughs> so i found that when i started doing sex stories and i would just like open up a question box and people would ask me things that they were like scared to ask anyone else because it was anonymous yeah and then i would talk about my experiences and all of a sudden everybody knew like really intimate details about my sex life yeah and then people my friends like in real life that i hadn't seen in a long time would stop yeah. me and say like oh my God, that was such an empowering story. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know that or like that, you know, made me realize maybe I'm into this kink or like, I want to try this thing. Yeah. And then I realized that the armor I was wearing that was like, I don't share anything because I don't want to be vulnerable was actually a cage that was trapping me in. Yeah. And once I let go and shed that armor yeah. and I decided that vulnerability was going to be my new stasis, yeah. Then the confidence came from the fact that I have put myself out there as my most authentic form. And if you don't like that, then that's whatever. Yeah. Because I'm the one thing that I'm not doing is lying. You know that like it's literally yes. like don't rain on my parade. Yes. At least I didn't fake it. Yeah. You know, like, I guess I didn't make it. Yeah. I am a comma. Yeah, so I am. That was a pun. But also, I, I, I think there's like a weird war on vulnerability as it yeah. relates to like all non-cis men because like. Oh, sure. And even them but in a different way where it's like they're like people are afraid for non-cis men to be vulnerable because they know that it like frees us. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Anything that remotely empowers those that are powerless is terrifying to the people who yeah. hold power, which yes, means yes, you're yes, doing yes. something right. Exactly. You know, like once you start, I mean, not that we ever want this, but like, I'm sure you've had the experience where you get a bunch of shitty, like cis men in your DMs, yeah. like telling you how to live your life and yeah. pointing a finger. But my mom always said, when you're pointing a finger, look at how many fingers are pointing back at you. So that is so <laughs> real. Get your mom here now. My mom is great. That's so fucking <laughs> yeah. true though. Right? So it's like, oh, my God, that's just like internalized shame. If I'm like, listen to me, you yeah. woman. Yeah. Like pretending I was a man. That's my man voice. No. Listen to me, you woman. Like three She's fingers are pointing back at me. 
dropping in. Uh, dropping in. Um, points. Well, okay, wait, acting. I wanted to talk yes. about it. Tell us about your BFA, because like <laughs> I didn't get a BFA. I got a BTA. We almost went to school together. Um, no way. Yeah. Okay, wait. So I got a BTA in theater, art, playwriting, producing, but I was like from very, Michigan, right? Yes. And Sorry I was, to interrupt you. I was always no, you're so fine. I was always near like the empty girlies always because yeah. like that's what we do, whatever. Like it's very tight knit. So I'm familiar with like the struggles and the pitfalls and the wonders and the beauty of BFA life. Mm. Where did you get your BFA and what was your experience like uh, getting it? Um, <laughs> so I went to NYU. Um, yeah. It's a it's a school in New York. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know it. if you guys have ever heard of um, it before. Tiny downtown thing. Little big West into Village. gentrification. Yeah. And um, uh, I got I actually have a BM in vocal performance with a concentration Ooh. in musical theater and a minor in the business of entertainment, media, and technology, okay. and another degree in child and adolescent mental health studies, and half of an advanced vocal pedagogy certificate. No, like we have a genius I was on our hands. No, no. What that says is I had not shed my people pleasing skills when I got or my yeah. need to people please. You were like, fuck, I, I really gotta <laughs> I'm gonna get all the degrees and everyone's yeah. gonna love me. Um I was like sometimes the mascot for my program, which is not always a good thing. No, it's not. Um my 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 degree is a complicated experience because I met, I, there are two women that I met that were acting and dance teachers that changed my life because they looked at me and they said, you have a gift, you have power, I'm going to harness it and I'm going to cultivate it. And they didn't do that just with me. They did that with everyone because they were the kind of people that were open and soft and feminine in the ways that I think are the most powerful on yeah. earth, right? Like they were able to look at you and they were able to like use all the elements like earth, wind, water, fire, ether, like if you're yeah. like spiritual like that, and they were able to find the one that you were missing or that you needed. And they were able truly just to look at you and see you and go, all right, I love this about you. Let's like, mine this, yeah. right? So I met some of those women. And then I also had a really complicated relationship with the vocal training um i think i left school a worse vocalist than when i got there no way yeah it was not the, the technique for me i really don't stand by what i was taught and i don't think that was the fault of like my individual voice teacher was lovely like i loved him he was so caring for four years and i think that the overall school of pedagogy was fucked yeah like i don't i i just came out sounding really nasal and pinched and that's not what you want to hear no and it's not like the fun like telsey bright ping it was like like it was just kind of like up here and like that was what we were trained to do. And I like in the back of your throat almost too. Yeah, it was just there was no space. And um, I had some complicated relationships with different professors. And, you know, there's like some I'm writing about it now in my book that I'll eventually write um, that I have started. I there was a lot of like, is this a thing? Yeah. Oh, you're my professor. <laughs> this is this is a thing. But nothing's happening. So yeah. this can't be a thing, right? So like yeah. that's not grooming because like you haven't done anything, but like I know that look. I know yeah. what like what it's like to receive that look. I think that's a very feminine, unfortunately, experience. Like yeah. to experience yeah. the male gaze. And then all of a sudden I was like in the office all the time because I was the assistant and like we were spending all of our time together. Mm. And it just got very complicated. And then it was like, okay, so you know how in musical theater school when you're doing a, a song and you're up there at the piano and you're singing your Rodgers and Hammerstein ballad about like, please love me or something like that. Usually you pick a partner and it's like, okay, I'll sing to you because you're my friend and like yeah. stand there and I'm going to, I'm going to sing like a human. And yeah. so I had a teacher and the same one that was like, all right, James, do it again. And like sing to, just sing it to me and change the pronouns. Uh. 
And so there I was, like this baby gay. I was the only gay in that class, like particularly. There were only a couple of gays in my musical theater program, which is wild. Which is like, hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I feel like it's usually the other way around. Usually the like other the way around. Like the straights are like, who but are no, you? We were, we were very heterosexual <laughs> in our musical theater program. And um, I remember that like for a year and a half, I sang to him. And so like there's a whole canon of songs that like, I can't revisit without hearing his voice in my head. Uh. I only see him. And like he would act them with me. He'd be like, no, like I have to leave you. This isn't working. And then I'd have to keep singing or like we can make this work, James. And like then I would just like cry because I was like, I don't even know if I feel things for you. But like and I don't know if you feel things for me. And then one time he called me his ex's name like in class accidentally. I, so there was a lot of power drama. struggle there, too. It's power dynamic, very, very unfair. The struggle. I really do think and this is not to excuse any of the behavior because it's complicated and I've never spoken to him about it. And uh, I think that he was trying to do his best, but didn't know how. Yeah. Okay. And I got the classic like you remind me so much of me. And like Ugh. I think he was trying to teach the way that he needed to learn. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was really complicated. So I walked out hating singing and I walked out um, my senior year. I was in callbacks for two different Broadway shows, but which was so cool and amazing. And Broadway should call me back more. And Broadway. And <laughs> hey, Broadway. I yeah. had this running joke in college, like not to interrupt you, but you're going to mm -hmm. love it. And I have to tell you now, whenever like we were like applying for internships or like people were auditioning and your phone would ring, you would go, hello, hello Broadway. Broadway? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was like everybody at Michigan. Yeah. Broadway? Broadway? Is that you? It's me? Especially hello? if it's in like New York, New York. It's like they're calling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. it's a fucking telemarketer being like, your, your car. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't have a car. <laughs> no, no. I just wanted this, you know, I wanted yeah. to be in. She loves me around about it. I don't want to. Yeah. And. And um, they were both plays that I was in callbacks for oh. because I was very much potentially the right person to do that. I did not get them, which is uh, something that I think was the wrong choice. But whatever. Wrong. Um, again, back to my fatal flaw. I was right. Yeah. And they well, were not. were right. And uh, I couldn't get past these non-equity, like, bottom of the barrel summer stock dance calls. I was getting yeah. cut everywhere. And I was like, I can't sing. I, I can't dance. But I can act, I guess. And so I asked if I could do a monologue for Senior Showcase because I wanted to do that instead. And at the time, I like I panicked and I like applied to Juilliard for my MFA and I got to the finals and it was wild. And I got to the finals and one of the acting teachers, I will never forget this as long as I live. I was at Lincoln Center by the fountain laying there after our day of like doing monologues over and over again for the faculty. And I was laying on the fountain and I think I could have dreamed this. I don't know if it actually happened, but this faculty member tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is not your year and you need to go work. And you were like, and I was like, it was as if I was Prior Walter oh. being visited no, by is, Emma Thompson, that is the that. angel in America, and that I was like, <laughs> the angel in America. <laughs> I will go Game. dig up the artifacts. I'm you sorry. Were like, <laughs> okay, I'm okay. leaving now. I'm, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go work instead. I'm not gonna hide behind getting another degree. I need to go forge my way and find myself as a person. Okay. And this is four years later. I would have gone to like zoom school i guess yeah <laughs> but now i'm like oh my god i see exactly why i didn't need to go back to school yeah. so i was like a little bit of a i was really into my bfa and like i was really into getting my musical theater degree yeah. so much so that i think it cost me a lot of myself yeah and i spent the next four years taking every piece of training that i got and taking a hard left and like deconstructing and that's when i started working yeah i love that so your story like 
gave me this vivid memory that I think you're gonna love. I'm ready. Where when I was like 17, I was like, I'm gonna get a BFA. Like I really, really. So this was my thing. Like I can sing and I can act. I heard your Bonnie um, and Clyde. I, I can watched sing. that video. Um, and so I don't sing a lot, but I can. Yeah. And so I. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a performer, and I worked really like my voice, like how it is now, my mix and everything. That was like four singing lessons a week to try to get that because I wanted it so bad. Yes. I was never naturally gifted. I like worked my ass off for it, and I think when I was younger, a lot of the things I was naturally good at, I felt like I shouldn't be doing because it wasn't enough of a challenge, or I hadn't figured out how to make it challenging for myself. Oh, okay. And that was like writing being one of them, and mm. so I was gonna audition, gonna audition, and then I woke up one day in high school and I was like, I don't want to do the auditions for my BFA anymore and my parents were like oh. what's wrong like you this is all you've been yeah. doing but I was like I don't want to I, I don't want to I just realized I don't want to so like just go to one like let's just go to one and I was like okay it happened to be Carnegie Mellon here in the city the studio I forget which studio um and my mom brought me and it was like this crazy day with like hundreds of people and yeah. there was like 70 people in the waiting room and they were pulling people one by one in to do their songs and then one by one in to do their monologues yes. and the woman that was doing the monologues was like the head of the department Barbara. yes <laughs> no i'm not, <laughs> not i'm still i shall this. never forget to this woman <laughs> and so i do my first monologue and i would say if we like ranked my like skills acting would be my best so we do my first one and she's like take off your shoes and obviously <laughs> obviously my ass has gotten used to that like going to theater school yeah. but like at this one i'm like okay Suzuki. so i take off my shoes we do it again then we do my other one and at this point i have been in there for 25 minutes every other kid five minutes two monologues out and she's you. like she's like listen let's let's talk so we like sit down and we start talking and, and you got like, the talk of like what other schools have you applied yeah. to and she was oh, like no, yes kidding. yes what other schools have you applied to what are you thinking and she's like you're just she was like you're smart I just don't she's like there's something about you that I like needed I just needed to talk to you about where what else you're looking at in life because like I, there's something about you but I don't know if it's this but there's something and I was like kind of like Whoa. upset and kind of pissed and it was like this weird moment and she was like this like stern sort of angelic but yes. mean creature and I was like sitting there like 17 years old and she was like there's just something and I just it's not this but it's like something so then i like leave and i'm like what the fuck and then she <laughs> yeah so before what was happening was the assistant was bringing in the next kid i'm fucking putting on my shoes she walks me out walks me up to my mom <gasps> and goes mom whatever you do don't let her stop and then turns around and every single person at this fucking audition is like what the hell and i'm like i still don't want to do this i did not get in i was like i still do not want to be here i still do not want to do bfa i still need to go home like bring me home oh my god but it was this thing that sometimes i come back to whenever i'm reminded of it where it's like similar to your thing like the don't stop like she was right like there was yeah. something but it wasn't that and she was right, like, not to stop and just, like, keep forging ahead. Right. And it was kind of, like, beautiful, like, that moment. And it's such a – older women, stern, older, angelic <laughs> sort of women, yes. they fill that role sometimes. They do. And I wonder, I wonder how many of us will become those women. Oh, I need Maybe. to. Like, Is that you your see, path? Couldn't you see us, like, teaching a class? But it's, like – have you ever seen those TikToks that it's, like, your um, – like your dance teacher who just had seven coffees and it's like a guy wearing a bunch of beads like shaking a maraca and he's like feel your feelings <laughs> i'm like why do like it's a guy in a cloak like dancing around being like touch your senses and i'm like this kind of feels like something i could get behind 
<laughs> I do. I do think I would like really love to go back into not teaching. I used to think I was going to graduate and like have a great career. I don't know why I'm giving you illustrations of foot and hand, but that's what we. <laughs> <laughs> it's really musical of us. Yeah, it's so hashtag Broadway. Yeah, and uh, I used to day. think that I was going to like retire into running NYU. You know what I mean? Like running oh, like the NYU being the, the top dog. <laughs> and now I'm like, I think I'd love to go back and give master classes on why your BFA doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. But what does really, really, really matter is finding the people that are going to cultivate the most authentic version of you in whatever art form you want, because you can apply that anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't have to be on stage. Yeah. And even if the, you know, like you didn't get a BFA, but that doesn't mean that you're not still intrinsically connected to your artistic spirit and that that doesn't yeah. permeate everything else that you do. And that's not a guide in your life. Yeah. And I think that we all can have that. I love that. Well, on the topic of acting, like you're mm-hmm. a working actor now, you're doing the thing. Yeah. I feel like I always think mm-hmm. about those of us in the creative field and how our identities sort of like play with our artistic sides and totally. pursuits. I just want you to speak to that because I feel like I see you talking about it a lot online and I think it's really impactful because mm-hmm. a lot of people think like, oh, I'm acting. So I'm just like being somebody else. And it's like it's so much more about also who you are and how you feel in your own body. I don't think it's about being somebody else at all. Yeah, I really don't. I I remember the Meryl Streep quote about acting is about finding the similarity in what is apparently different and finding yourself in that. And I think about that all the time because every character that I have been hesitant to do or play or even audition for was because it was a version of myself I wasn't yet ready to face. Oh, my God. I just got chills. Right? Yeah. And once being vulnerable online is sometimes easy because there is a wall. There is a filter. And I don't mean like an Instagram filter. I mean that like I get to curate what you see. Exactly. So when I'm telling you stories about my sex life, I'm still only telling you as much as I want to know. Yeah. It's more than the average person's ever going to tell you. And I hope that it's like useful and valuable. Yeah. And it's also something I've curated. But when somebody hands you a script and says, do this honestly, you can't curate it. You can only do it as honestly as you as a human would do it. Yeah. And sometimes I've played some ugly characters. Mm-hmm. Like they had people that I would not want to meet necessarily and people that I would not be proud to be if I were them. Yeah. But I knew some reason that I was the right person to tell those stories. And then a bunch of other people in the creative rooms agreed. And I was like, this is so fucked. I'm like, like a happy, fun me. person. Yeah. Oh, what do you think? And they're, they're, like, they're like, but you're willing to go there. Yes. I'm like, okay. So for me, it's like, I mean, it's such a, an examination of humanity and the things that I think are interesting about the way our brains work and, yeah. and how they get shaped by the world around us. And, you know, are people born wicked or do they have wickedness thrust upon them is kind of the central question, right? Yes. And yet, now that I have come into my gender, I say coming into myself instead of coming out. Oh, I like that. Because I do. I feel like it's like, you know, like when you're video editing and like they have the freeze frame and then somebody yeah. catches up into the freeze yes, frame. Yes. I feel like I've now caught up into my freeze frame gender wise. Yeah. Right. Write that down. That was good. That's No, that's Damn. really good. That's how it feels. And uh, um, the first union job that I booked was playing a woman. And now I have had two jobs in the union as an equity actor. That's the Both way. Both of them are playing my gender. Whoa. You want to know what my non-union resume is? Man, 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 yeah. man, man Broadway leading yeah. man. I wasn't on Broadway, but like. like no, but you will be. Yeah, one day when the when the project is right. Yeah. I've gotten, I've had so many heartbreaking, like almost. almost. And then when I see the person who got it, 
I thought I would be like such a like jealous bitch about everything. I am thrilled for these people. Also, they are it's fabulous. Like, you kind of exhale and you're like, that was your moment. This is your that moment was your moment right now, and, and I'm, I'm gonna, gonna have, have mine. Yeah. And I love that I get to celebrate you and yours because I could never do it that way. Yeah. And what a breathtaking experience it is to see another non-binary person take the stage oh my god there's more of us thank goodness like i'm glad you're getting your flowers i'll get mine too you know that's i'm not worried about that because what we're not taught back to like the the scarcity mindset of non-men and how we can't do multiple things is that we're taught there's not enough room for us yes there is a famous woman choreographer director person who notoriously does not bring women up with her because she says that there's limited space for women Mm. so it can just be her the fuck Girl, I think that's changing. I've heard some rumors yeah. that that's changing, so I will not name drop because yeah. I would love no, to see that. Change. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, just a bit frustrating too because, like, I want to be on your side yes. celebrating you, like, but you won't even let me. Right, like, you're not even letting me. It so is not, we don't close the doors behind us when they no, get opened for no. us. We take a hammer to the door frame. That's what I always say. I'm like my biggest goal because I think a lot of times people will like say like. I think privilege is a conversation with like a lot a lot of people online, specifically people that have had like really privileged family upbringings mm. like I did and white people and yeah. cis people like all, all, all these conversations of privilege. And I'm always just like, I have these privileges. They exist. And my two jobs are to accept that I have them, talk about having them. And yes. then when I get through a door that was closed but unlocked, yeah. instead of walking through it and just letting it shut and then relock I have to keep it open. I have to fucking break it down. And I have to be like, let's go, guys. Like, otherwise, there's no point in me even getting through the door. There's no point in that woman even going through the door. No. Because what the fuck is she doing up there? Right. Like, sitting on a throne and, like, stomping us all? Like, how are you better for that? That Are you going to be a servant to the patriarchy or are you going to be an ally to your gender? Exactly. Exactly. So, I agree. Very much so. And I think that gender-wise now... I mean, walking into rooms like acting wise has become so difficult because now I'm aware of how they may or may not perceive me Mm. and that uh, it doesn't play with my confidence, but I've just become hyper aware of how this is a community, the Broadway community specifically, that touts inclusivity Mm -hmm. and wouldn't know inclusivity if it hit them on the face tomorrow. Literally. And people don't get that. And I'm like, the the reason I left producing is because I was Mm. like, I literally thought that the whole thing about Broadway is that it wasn't all straight white men. And it is. And it is. It is. There are changes that are happening, but like, if you think of Broadway as a corporation, like it's the same few employees everywhere. Exactly. It's just another giant corporation. People don't think of it as like, it's a company. It's like one big corporation. Like your individual show is not the company. Broadway overall is the company. Yes. It's why you have the same producers, the same directors, the same, you know, set designers and whatnot. And people on top. And you're working with the same unions. right? And I'm not saying that those are bad things all inherently, but I am saying that there are some issues that come with, um, I think of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's uh, TED Talk, The Danger of a Single Story. You know, mm. she wrote We Should All Be Feminists. She wrote We Should All Be Feminists. She wrote Americana. Yeah, Americana. Okay. Her so, TED Talk is one of my favorite TED Talks yes, ever. Yes, The Danger of a Single Story of like when you only have one voice, that becomes a monolithic representation of the community that does a disservice to everyone. Right? Yes. And that's what Broadway is right now. Even though we see like, oh, great, we have like done some more inclusive casting. We have done diversity, which is not inclusion. Yeah. Diversity means things look different. Inclusion means Everyone that's different belongs here and is equitably offered a seat at the table that fits their needs. Yes. I was just going to say that's the whole reason it's diversity, equity, and 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 inclusion. inclusion. It's not just like 
brah, one yeah. word. It's yeah. three things. It's yeah. separate. Yeah. And I think like social media, especially like conflates these words and gives them new meaning. Not even just those words. Mm -hmm. Gaslighting is a word. Oh that my God. Media. The pop psychology. Nepotism is a word that fucking social media people have taken and run with. That's like I think the newest one. Yeah. Th there, there are, those are two glaring examples that are like recent and up to date. Narcissism. But narcissism. I'm like, do you guys even fucking know what this is? I feel like you shouldn't use the word. Mm, I'm trying to take out the word should. We as a culture cannot use the word narcissism unless we all know what a cluster B personality disorder is. Yeah. Because you need to know who you're stigmatizing if you're going to do it. Like yeah. when you're going to be a bigot, be a bigot with your whole chest. Exactly. Right? If you're going to pop psychologize, psychologize, new word. <laughs> you're going to pop psychologize words, understand the ramifications of your yes. actions. Like or just accountability like, has gotten so whitewashed. Oh, yeah. There are just like so many words that I'm like, you don't even know what these mean. No. And honestly, frankly, I might not even know what they fully mean. But if I want to use them i need to understand what they actually mean yes i listened to a whole podcast about narcissism with like a psychologist oh yeah and a, and a psychiatrist and they were like actually explaining what it was and yeah. i was like yeah what the fuck yeah. is wrong with tiktok it's so like what they're meaning is self-centered self-absorbed things like that so say those things yeah say those say, words i'm a big say what you mean person yes like when you're calling something out call name the system name it misogyny name it patriarchy name it transphobia name it anti-fatness name it racism yeah name it anti-black racism name it anti-indigenous racism like be specific about yes. it so that we understand what we're against and yeah. what we're fighting to deconstruct and why otherwise we just have word salad word salad and i can't stand word salad yeah. i love specificity and there's also like I heard a critique of that once about how that is also a symptom of white supremacy because it like really ties into perfectionism, yeah. which I think is true. For me, there's a difference between I'm trying to be perfect with my language versus I'm trying to be as effective as possible. Yeah. I like that. I also saw a video on my free page recently that was like, people are so quick to challenge other people or correct them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is like what you're saying about perfectionism. Yes. Like people are imagine going up to someone on the stream being that's not how you say that <laughs> oh you're wrong that's not how you do that we wouldn't that's not how you wear that oh my god imagine somebody yeah. coming up to yeah. you and saying the things that they put in the comments like oh um hey girl that's not how you do that actually you're a man like that's what i get uh, and you're like who the fuck are you like yeah. would you even say this aloud it's like it's crazy. I think one of the tensions with the rise of the like the ordinary social media star, like the person who just is living a, an air quotes regular life and they're just relatable because they're not a celebrity. They're not rich. They're not yeah. like going on that. They didn't go to the, the Dubai tart trip <laughs> or whatever. I didn't even know it was happening. Like no one invited me, which <laughs> is interesting. Get the invite. Anyway. Um, so, but I think what's been so interesting about that is then those people that have built these giant platforms then are responsible for making constructive social commentary on things completely out of their knowledge that they base. do not know and then those of us who have dedicated our lives to activism advocacy to helping people understand the nuances of an oppressed identity such as like that's what i try to do with transgender identities i'm yeah. one of many voices that does that then people come into activists and advocate spaces and try to correct them on something that we're educating you on. And it's yeah. like, wait a minute, no, no, no. Our opinions are being sought out because we have been doing this work to educate on gender, yeah. to educate on whatever your experience is. Yeah. I, I don't have this platform. I don't get to like stand on this platform of privilege because I was rich or had an interesting life. It was because I was offering, I hope, valuable educational content. Valuable. Thank you. And so 
I think that that's become really interesting because the way that we police each other yeah. is not only a symptom of white supremacy, but it's also we are not considering our sources yeah. as a community and as a culture. Like, I think it's very fair to critique the ordinary average TikToker that has a ton of followers that is speaking out of turn. Absolutely. Right? That's, that is needed. That's different. Yeah. But when people speak on their own identities and illuminate something that you may not have thought of as problematic, oppressive, a system that we need to challenge and change, your immediate reaction perhaps should not be to discredit them. Exactly. But to listen. I always, I always wonder about this and I always say this to people like when somebody like in my life or you know adjacent to me or even online is trying to discredit somebody's experience lived experience that they cannot physically have because they do not share their same identities yeah. i'm always like my rule of thumb is that if i do not share a lived experience and identity with the person speaking i there's nothing like even if i'm like i don't get it like okay the, you like of course you of don't, course you first don't of all. It. It's not it's your not fucking your lived experience. <laughs> yeah. But also you cannot say it's not true because it's not your lived experience. Like, yes. I, my thing is, like, if someone says, this is harmful to me because X, yeah. and I, not, probably and I right. am not them, then my only job is to listen. Because yeah. it is honestly a privilege for me that they are even saying, this is harmful for me because of X. We're also not great as a culture about understanding what, what systemic harm means versus like individual offense is yes and those are different and like i have spoken multiple times on like this is how your non-inclusive language insert you know whatever example here that you want is systemically harmful to non-men to transgender people to non-binary people whatever the specificity is that i'm using and then people are like oh you just don't like that because you're offended and it's like Actually, no, I, I, I'm not speaking about whether I'm personally offended by these words. I'm speaking about how systemically they're disadvantage they're they're a disadvantage to the people that you're talking about, how yeah. systemically they are feeding into stigmas, how they're slurs, whatever yeah. the deal is. Like I think that we need to be a little bit more competent as a culture and invest some time in learning what systemic harm is versus like social harm, how those systems function. Yeah. And what you said uh, reminded me of a quote from, I definitely learned this from an anti-racism educator. I want to say it was Rachel Cargill, but I might be misattributing oh, I her. Cargill. I do too. Um, I might be misattributing her work. But it was the idea that when someone speaks on something about their experience of an oppressed identity, the first thought when you're like, I don't know about that, should be, what if they're right? Yes. And how could they be right? Because then we start to dismantle some of our own preconceived yes. schemas and beliefs. Like that was one of my things when I was uh, starting my anti-racism journey, which is continuous, that yes. it, there's no end point for that for white people, for us white people, right? I remember thinking, oh, I really need to listen to all of these anti-racism educators and take them on faith that they're right because yeah. they inherently know something I cannot and do not and never will. And never will know. Yeah. And I, I want us all to give the same credence to every marginalized social identity yeah. you know not that we've arrived there with racism at all yeah. but like we certainly yeah. can apply that same idea to okay here's a disabled person speaking about how not testing and how uh, not masking in public is really really uh, aiding a genocide of disabled people yes what if they're right well they are but like yeah what if, what they, if are? they are and so all of the people that are like ah, you're just being over dramatic you're just exaggerating the reframe for that is how are they correct yeah I don't know. It was a cha it was a game changer for me. No, it's no, it's and it's also I'm I'm big on making things as simple as they possibly can be mm. so that it's tangible. Yeah. That is very tangible. That is yeah. tangible work to be doing in your brain constantly, daily as you move through the world. Mm. Um okay, so 
we keep like going like like but i love it but i wanted to talk more about musical theater before we move on i want to know like your favorite musicals what speaks to you your dream roles like what what was the one that like got you into it and will never get you out of it like (laughs) no because we choose to do this and then sometimes i'm like why are we choosing to do this yeah but it's because there's some love there there's some passion there i want to know your favorites your dream roles all that good stuff um, I got really lucky. I went to an arts high school okay. and I transferred in my sophomore year. So the first show I ever did was parade. Ugh. What? <laughs> what? Where'd the budget come from? We had a turntable on stage. Was it LaGuardia? We, no, this was in Florida. Oh. Um, this was just this one random. Florida has like really good schools for like individualized study. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Florida has the biggest thespian festival conference in the country. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I didn't understand the gravity of that when I was going because in Tampa we have the, uh, the Straz Center. It's like a performing arts center. Yeah. It's huge. It's gorgeous. Like Morsani Hall is a dream to perform in. Oh I have done it. I was really lucky. Yeah. You're and like, so it's where like all there. the, like Hamilton had like a six week sit down there or something yeah. like that, that kind of thing. Right. It's that space. And that was across the street from my high school, literally like paddle across the river and you're at the Strasson. And, yeah. and that's where all the thespian festival stuff was. So I was really privileged to see top notch high school art essentially yeah. and participate in it and and be in an environment that nurtured that. So I got spoiled with the shows that we did. Yeah. Like the things that made me fall in love with theater were Parade and Bat Boy and Spring Awakening Ugh, and Curtains and curtains. Rent. I did all of those shows in high school. Curtains is so underrated. Slept on. Yes. Regional so theaters need to be on. doing cur- it could be curtains it's or so fun. Or that. that's not the, from that show but it's literally so great show and um i remember uh one of the things that got me in to <laughs> i was telling courtney wolfson and curtis holbrook or curtis and court the head shop yeah, photographers, yeah, yeah, yeah courtney wolfson's the original blue hair right like i'm bored i'm awesome it's almost yeah. fun that's courtney wolfson at umish at the girly show right I did not know. Oh my God. Yeah. Who then became Wednesday Adams, Eponine, like yeah. all sorts of the kinky boots. Um, legendary. Courtney, if you're watching, I love you. You are a queen. So watching her do blue hair was like, I want to do musical theater. Yeah. And I watched like the girly show at UMish. And then the I girly watched show. Kerrigan and Loudermilk, like say the word. It was like Wait, sorry, Megan Car- Fahey singing say the One word. One thing about Kerrigan and Loudermilk <laughs> that I have to like be so fucking clear about, like, when people are like, what kind of music brings you out of like the darkest depression? I'm like, a I, I don't think I don't think I, can, I don't think I can like say it's like Lindsay Mendez singing a song. Avalanche. Like Lindsay. Hand in hand. <laughs> Lindsay Mendez singing hand in hand live. Like or like ugh, what's <laughs> the one that's Mendes. like shit, shit. I know that swearing isn't helping it. But fuck, I've had enough. This waiting isn't getting better. The one that's about the pregnancy. And then there's like, it might not be getting louder. Oh my God, wait, I'm actually going to find it. It's like, I have a whole playlist of like songs that like people have written that are like musical theater adjacent, but they haven't I, done anything with them. I'm surprised I don't know this because I used to be like the rep nerd at my school. At, and I about this shit. Yeah, no, this is so obscure. It's, um... It's about like she takes a pregnancy test and she's like pregnant, but then they like also have like a, a, an adjacent song that's about like um the, uh, the guy finding out. Wait, oh this my god, I need to find it. But wait, continue, continue. Yeah, and then stop me when you find it, please. Yeah, I'm going to. So don't worry about it. <laughs> that was those are the things that got me in. Like the last five years was my favorite cast recording. Like Ugh. for my birthday, my dad and I flew to New York for a day to see like the Betsy Wolf Adam Cantor revival. Um, yeah. and that day was closing matinee. And this man walked out and started playing the piano. And that man's name was Jason Robert Brown. <laughs> and so he Stop. No way. Show. No and so way. And so Betsy goes, why does this pianist hate me? And we all <laughs> lost it. You know? Oh, 
my and it wait, was just my parents are divorced special. and always have been my whole life so that particular score felt like it offered me clarity on a time that I was not even alive for but affected the way that yeah. I live today yeah and I became very interested in pieces that offered me clarity on why the world is the way it is today. And so Spring Awakening was like the next step of that, right? Because if yeah. you look at Spring Awakening, that's the generation that breeds Nazis. Like So right. We don't really talk about that Awakening when we're doing Spring Awakening. But if you look at the repression and you look at the the lack of education and connection and communication that I think the play is about communication. Yeah. But between adults and kids and then we look at the world we live in today, those are connected. It is the it's it's the same story we're having today. Yeah. It's just you can insert other identities for it. And I finished a production of Spring Awakening, and I remember, uh, like at high school, and I walked out and I saw a woman I didn't know, and she said to me, "I think I'm gonna go talk to my daughter." And I didn't know what that meant, but I could tell that it really meant something to her. You were like, "Whoa!" Yeah, after seeing this like high school production of Spring Awakening. And she was like, you know, you were fabulous and all these wonderful things that she said that I still remember. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is offering you something that like the last five years offered me. And this is how we keep yeah. the cycle going. I love the last five years. Okay, I found song? it. It's Katie or K Casey, Cassie, Gasparini, Casey Gasparini? and Drew G Gasparini. Yeah. This like I could use a drink. I could album. use a drink. So oh. there's these two songs and they're like meant to go together. And two Cinnamon. little lines is about two little lines. Yes. Oh my and God. then I knew this. the I other knew one this. that um what's Jeremy Jordan sings yeah. is like the Gotta response. The no turning back now. No turning back. Where he's like, I'm going to be a dad. It's so oh fucking dramatic. God. And like, when I tell you, like, there's something just like idly cringe about these songs, but in a way that I, that I bask in. They were also such new writers at the time. I don't know if Drew Gasparini was a new writer for that no, particular album. No, but this album, but album like, is perfect to me. And like, oh. I think I spent most of my childhood, like teenagehood yes. with these songs. Oh, that I was the Kerrigan Laudermilk one, our first mistake album oh, and yeah, that up. Um, Ryan Scott Oliver's 35 millimeter yep. fugitive songs. I can sing oh. you every note of fugitive songs right now. No, it's so, it's those like, were the things that got me into it because they represented a tension and an angst that I was feeling as a young yeah. person and also a freedom and like contemporary musical theater at that time was pushing the boundaries of our understandings of gender, of relationships, of sexuality. There were actual queer people writing actual queer yeah. stories. And, you know, Lerner and Lowe weren't doing that. Yeah. And it's not to say that those things don't it's have a place. Oh, the live album. The live album with Lindsay Carrie, Mendez. Harry Manilakis doing Runaway With Me on oh, this album. So, so good. Like, all of this is so good. It's so good. I play it in the car, like on road trips. Yeah. And I just sing the whole thing. The other I one I love good. is Love Me, Love Me Not. Love Me, Love That's, Me Not. I, it's a fucking beautiful song. Everybody yeah. that does it does it beautifully. It's so simple. It's so good. It's so you good. You love anxious attachment. No, yeah, no, it is all anxious attachment. So Let what me, is, should I answer your other question? Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I, wanted, I wanted you to tell me, like, what are your favorite shows? And yeah. what, what have you loved seeing lately or just in Ooh. life, in life? Um, I loved Evanston and Salt Cost Climbing that yeah. I saw recently at Signature. And I loved Ain't No Mo. I think that's my yeah. favorite thing I've seen on Broadway in years. It is fucked that that, that closed. I was so early. sad that I couldn't see before it closed. Oh my gosh! It was Crystal Lucas Perry gave the performance of a lifetime. Every actor, I mean Jordan E. Cooper. I'm hoping that it's gave. very well um, awarded. I hope it wins everything. Like I mean, seriously, that piece was like everything. Phenomenal! I loved it. That inspired me. Um, and it was not. 
I had no business being inspired by that story. It wasn't about any anyone like me at all, but it was fabulous art. And um, what else did I see? Uh, this is wild, but I'm going to share this because I don't think we do this as performers. I had to cut together a tape for a production of uh, Hedwig that I'm auditioning for, like another yeah. one. And um, I, God, I hope I get it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I included a clip of like one of the live performance that yeah. most recently. And I watched it and I was like, oh, I was good. There yeah. were moments in here where I was like, I surprised myself. There were moments where I had notes, but like yeah. I definitely surprised myself such in a, moments. It's such a role. It's like that is, you know when Harry Styles was like, it's a movie that feels like a movie? That is a fucking role. It's a gargantuan undertaking. Like, it is a huge. It was literally, I remember I finished and um, my Yitzhak, Paige Scott, um, had done it before. And as Yitzhak, and she yeah. was like, we were, it was opening night. And she looked at me and she said, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And you're doing it at 26, so you might as well have fun. And, and I was you like, were like, thank you, you were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and she was right. But I was inspired by my own work, which is a first. I really have not had oh, that I before. That. Where I got to look at it and go, oh, I do love this. I am jazzed to do more of this. Yeah. And I want to do Hedwig once a year. I want to keep mining that story. Yeah. I want to, uh, oh, I, I have to do Hedwig. how I learned to drive at some point. Wait, that's like. I always have this moment with people that I feel like so spiritually connected to or like earlier in our conversation, for some reason, I was just thinking about how I learned to drive. Really? But for no reason. Like my it God. just entered my brain and I was like, stop ADHD. Like go back to the conversation. No, I was... swear to God, oh my God. I love, I love that show. I, I love, love that, that play. Show. I think it's it a breaks my heart. Play. It's a perfect play. It's a perfect play. And I know I could bring a version to it. You really could. That has an honesty that... Would, I would love to share it. I would love to cover some established woman that really knows what she's doing so I could learn from it and yeah. collaborate with her and, like, go on for a couple matinees, you know, and yeah. see what I could offer it that would be different. Um, but that's a play that I have to do. Yeah. And uh, that's the that's the, uh, that's the main one. Please, somebody make that happen. Somebody do it. I also really want to do a gender-bent, swapped, expansive version of Romeo and Juliet with another, Ooh. like, a trans mask where we alternate Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I love that. Kind of like uh, Cynthia uh, Nixon yes. and um, Laura Linney and yes, the Little yes, Foxes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I'm dying to do cabaret again. I must oh My do God, you must again. do cabaret. I would love to do that with a trans mask and alternate between no, that's, Sally and the OC. <laughs> that's incredible. Do you have a musical that you think is a perfect musical? Because you say... Cabaret. Cabaret, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really Ragtime is. is close. Um, in terms of the opening sequence, I would say. I don't yeah. really know the rest of it as well as I should. The thing about Cabaret is that it's the kind of show that you see and you almost forget. Like, it's... Sometimes I watch things and as a writer, I'm like, fuck the person who wrote this for being <laughs> such a goddamn genius. genius. Like, sometimes I watch television shows and I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. you. But it's like a... It's like a loving fuck you where yes. i'm like I, I can't believe you did this i i'm shocked like yeah. how did you write something like this that's how i feel yeah. about cabaret yeah i think also because my dreams are gender expansive now they're expanding out of the broadway world yeah and i it's not that i'm disillusioned by it but i'm aware as to how little place there is for people like me right now mm -hmm. and that's not scarcity mindset that's just the truth and yeah. you know by the time i leave this earth like we are gonna have carved a fucking place for trans yes, people on the broadway stage for sure but I looked at, like, the cast of the National Tour of 1776 doesn't have a single trans femme in it. 
and it's supposed to be this like inclusive cast. And it's like, and I'm like, there are definitely inclusions of, of identities and people that we have not seen on stage before. But I feel like that missed the mark. I thought there were so many directions that could have been taken in. And yeah. I have plenty of friends on the tour, and I'm thrilled for them. So it's not a critique yeah. of the individual people, but rather the concept of inclusion being so limited. Yeah. Why don't we have people? Why don't we have people with visible disabilities in 1776? Like, yeah. why don't we have people? I mean, we do have people of all ages, which is nice. We don't often get that. But why don't why don't why don't we have trans femmes? Like, why yeah. are you? How are you telling a story about that is supposed to be women reclaiming something, and you have no trans women in it? That this, seems like, doesn't a little make sense to me. Yeah. So now a lot of my dreams are in TV film. Like, I know exactly what I want to create. I got to find the right people to do it. But, like, I need to be on season three of Euphoria. We. You would be great. (laughs) Thank you. You would be great. And we have time. We have time. Like, I used to be pissed until this moment. I used to be pissed about how much time we have until we get to see it again. But now I'm not because we have time for you to, like, get yourself in there. And if you're listening, um, because you happen to be writing Euphoria, um, I've already thought out how this could go. Wait, Um, I want to know. Cassie's going to get a new best friend. It's going to be me because I'm going to be the hot new trans femme that comes to school. Rivalry immediately between me and Jules, right? Immediate rivalry. And then Sydney Sweeney and I become best friends. And then from there we have the like me and Maddie rivalry because we have similar enough like hair to where like that because the hair and makeup team does so many brilliant things. I'm yes. like they could bounce looks off of the two of us. Yes. That like would would be a war. And like there would be so many who wore it betters and like yes. it would always be her. There's also <laughs> like a moment that could be had where um Maddie is like so pissed that um, Cassie has a new best friend that she then goes and befriend, befriends Jules and Jules is like bro Whoa, what the what? fuck is going what? on like yes. why do you want to be my friend we've never even yes. really had that much connection yes. like and it's like well because like you're so cool but it's like secretly because yeah. like she's threatened yes, by you yes oh my god and then alternate universe like subplot that goes on is like and I, I love parallels I think they're really fun to play with and Euphoria does do them very subtly um, I would love to like have like I meet Nate's dad in a completely unrelated like sphere yeah and like I'm really into him but he's not into me and so we have the opposite of what was between like him and Jules but we have it the other way around and it's like my character being in love with him yeah and I thought about it and um, I just think something like that needs to happen let's do it I would really just love to be a series regular on something where I get to play a non-binary person yeah and it's authentic to where like I don't have to worry about like shaving every day yeah or I don't have to worry about whether the dialogue is going to be correct because it can be collaboration with the writers where we're like we just want to do this honestly and not worry about whether it's the right portrayal because an honest portrayal is the right portrayal and then you know there need to be a zillion other non-binary people telling other stories besides the ones I'm going to tell because they got experiences I don't. Yeah. That's what I want. Speaking it into existence. I love it. We're manifesting. Manifesting. So kind of switching gears, but kind of on the same topic, like you're a person that's like put yourself out there, both like online, like it's such yeah. a vulnerable thing to do that. It's such a vulnerable thing to be in, in the creative arts and film, TV acting, like in general, because just by nature of it. And I don't want to ask you how you handle haters because I think that's inherently <laughs> negative. I want to ask you instead how you stay positive in spite of them because I think that oh, something that sure. you do so well is that like we've been talking about this already. Like there are just these people offering opinions on things they don't even know about and totally. it would never act that way in real life and yada, yada, yada. I want to know how you stay positive in spite of this because to me, as I see you, you're obviously a whole person with a whole range of human emotions, but I feel like you're two things, one positive and two, a good coper. I feel like Ooh, you know how to cope with things. Thank you. I think a lot of that is the the privilege of growing up in 
a world that privileges white people, like who gets to heal is political. Well, Gotway is one of my favorite anti-rape activists. And she talks about how who gets to heal from trauma is political. And I, in our society, am one of the people that gets to heal because of the identities I hold. Right. So I think part of it's an acknowledgement of that. Like the resiliency factors that I've been afforded are privilege. Right. At the same time, the, the key ingredient that I think everybody can find a version of is community. Um, I have had the unfortunate pleasure of being attacked by a lot of right wing extremists. You know, yeah. like I was on Libs of TikTok multiple times, like Hyrachik is <laughs> obsessed with me. Um, oh, I'm trying to take that word out of my vocabulary because a lot of OCD activists have been telling me that I need to not say that. So teaching moment. What's a word I can replace that with? Hyrachik. Obsessed. Yeah. Um, is your number is one fan. <laughs> Literally, my number one fan. Like, I live in her brain rent. No, like she, she's in the DMs. Like she is. Um, and I ended up like, Ron DeSantis's like secretary like used me as like the reason that we need the don't say gay bill. I mean, it was so fucked up and awful. Ugh. And um, once you realize how much bigger these things are than you, it's kind of liberating and also horribly depressing at the same time. Yeah. Because I think that there's a world where from there I would have just spiraled and they would have won. Yeah. You know, and that does happen for some people. That's why. You know, suicidality rates amongst trans people are so disproportionately high compared to the rest of the cisgender population. Like, we know that there is a targeted attack and that they are winning in some ways. And I, out of spite, refuse to let them. I'm a big spite person. Like, oh. success is the greatest revenge. And, like, oh, I'm going to stay alive and I'm going to have more followers yeah. than Hi Rachel one day because I'm going to do my best to build a community that leads yeah. with love. Right? Yeah. But I think coping-wise, it's community. I Once I stopped dating... And I started focusing on my friendships and I started focusing on cultivating and nurturing like my closest friend circle. Everything got easier Yeah. because I had people that I loved and would be there for at any time of the day and vice versa. Yeah. And that's how I cope. I turn my phone off and I go into community when I end up on some terrible thing. I use filters a lot on social media. Yeah. If you put a shitty comment, I probably won't see it at this point. Oh yeah, me either. You got to make your own video and you got to say it with your whole chest under not an anonymous thing because I have so many things filtered. If I go look through my filters, like on, on comments that I yeah. would need to approve on TikTok, it's a landmine. Oh <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, so is mine. And my problem is, is it? my fucking thing doesn't really work. Like when do I you do get that, in your notifications still. No, oh. but what will happen is that if I did a word like, I don't know. I didn't do this, but let's just say it was the word nose because people would make fun of my nose. They didn't. That's not one of them. But let's say it was. TikTok would think anytime someone commented no and oh, it goes in the filtered really? because of nose. All of mine happens like that. So there's like a glitch in. Yeah, there's some glitch mm-hmm. in the TikTok. Okay. And, and so I unfortunately I have to go through them. Yeah. But it, it and it definitely stings, but I don't hate it because it's not like there and I'm like, yeah. I need to delete that. It's just like not there. It's I'm just like in my own pr- private jail for them, I guess, like truly. in my own, like I'm locking this away and nobody else can see it. Truly. I also have found that at this point, everyone said anything to me possible. Like, yeah, some they've I, I sometimes used to rate the hater comments because I thought it was funny because they yeah. would get really creative, especially with uh, <laughs> the unaliving threats. Oh. But. I know, terrible. And the way that I cope is with humor. It's like, okay, well, this is yeah. just funny. Um, because um, I remember Jeffrey Marsh made a video about this, and they said that they talked to their partner because of all the threats they were getting on their life. And they said, I've decided that if that's going to happen, that's going to happen, but I can't let that be in the way of my life. You know, if somebody really does want to cause me harm, they're going to find a way to do it. So I can't yeah. hold myself up in my home forever. Yeah. And um, I feel similarly, which yeah. is 
it's dark. And um, I hope that that can be uh, inspiration for people to fight for trans rights even harder. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like, oh, that sucks for James. Like, yeah, of course it sucks. But at the same time, can you use that as fodder to go make your community a better place so that you don't accidentally placate somebody who would be that person in your DMs, you know? Um, I also use a lot of them as teaching opportunities uh, because they can be. And I know that I am working and have cultivated a community that is fiercely dedicated to transgender liberation. Yeah. And if I can use these hateful moments as teaching tools, then at least they're not wasted. Yeah. That's um, beautiful. But community, queer community, yeah. it's it's my speed dial. I love essentially. it. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to ask you two fun things now because I okay. feel like. I feel like you and I, we're going to have to do a part two because we could talk all day. (laughs) And like so much of this, I feel like was so like, we got so deep and intense, but I I, am, I had, no, no, no. but I I love it because I am too. I'm a very, I can tell water sign vibes. Um, I love this. What's your sign? Are you a (laughs) kid? What's your rising? Uh, Sag. (gasps) Duh. Oh my God. That's why I'm in love with you. I'm a double Leo. Oh my God. Sun and rising. What's Ah! your moon? Guess. Gemini? Cancer. Cancer. Okay, my moon's in Pisces, so we have Okay, yeah, and then moves. also my Mars and Venus are in Cancer. Whoa. <laughs> People are so scared when the, I'm like Cancer, Sun, Moon, Mars, Venus. What house Sag are they rising. It's a know? good question. I don't know off the top of my head. And then I'm my Mercury's Leo. Oh, my Mercury is also Leo, and so is my Venus. Okay, that's why we're such chatters. So chatty. So and chatty. They're all in my first house, which is Ooh. why it's like when people meet me a lot of before TikTok, like when they met me in real life, people were like, "Oh my God, James is so fake." And then they spent five minutes talking to me, and they were like, "Oh my God, this is who you actually are." This is actually are. who you are. Like, yeah. yeah, it's literally who I am. Um, I know that whatever one my Venus is in, when I was reading about it for the first time, it kind of like hit me in this strange way because I do want to have a life partner Mm. but i've always thought in my soul that like i could just never get married and be fine and i want it because i'm i have fallen into love with people that i want to spend my life with okay but whatever it was saying about my house was like you kind of are just like a lone a lone bird and like you could fuck with that like that was a really like colloquial way of saying whatever they told me which was basically like you're a lover but like you don't need to be it was almost like saying i just didn't need to be with anybody but i was like i it's not that i don't want that but i kind of like resonated with it in this like kind of strange calm way where i was like it's kind of nice to know that i just like that wasn't a crazy thought you know how did you feel about it Uh, so i've I've been in a relationship for two years and like we're very much so in love and i'm very happy and he's like my rock my person but my whole life i've always kind of thought to myself like i saw this psychic one time i was interviewing her was this whole thing and she said that she never married because she doesn't look at the end goal of relationships as forever. She looks at the end goal of relationships as something entirely different and she gets bored and it was just like never a priority for her. And I, it was really refreshing for me to hear because I had never heard specifically a, a woman say that mm, yes. to anybody before, like literally ever in my life. I was like, wow, like I, I can have a relationship with my partner that doesn't need to be, my sole priority or like the number one thing I aspire to does not need to be marriage and partnership. Like I can, like I've always felt like I'm aspiring. Like I always felt like that would be a part of my life, but it wouldn't be my life. And I'm not. And there are like plenty of women who it is their life and they chose that. And like my mom is one of them. Like I, she's like um, an amazing mother and like she chose like this is what she wanted. And, and we have conversations sometimes that some, sometimes she said, feels like she didn't have a choice but at the same time like she doesn't want it any other way i just know that's not me i know we differ in that way and reading that like 
hearing that woman say, you know, like the end goal of every relationship isn't forever. And I just never married because it wasn't my priority. And also reading my thing of being like, you could like rock with being alone. I was like, it's kind of just like freeing to know that there's options. I don't yeah. know. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Is that going to be in your book? Are you going to write about it? Yeah, that? I think I'm going to write about it. I, I, I think I, I have like bits and pieces of my book that I'm not sure if they're going in 100%, yeah. but I want it to if it, if it fits. Um, but speaking of love life, I wanted to ask you, cause I, I feel like we have to gossip a <laughs> little, like what, what's the hot goss? And there's, <laughs> there's two fun questions for you left. So this yes. one, give me the hot goss about your dating life. And then mm-hmm. another one that I think you're going to love that I like, what wasn't even a question that my followers wanted me to ask you. I just like need to know. Oh, so, but okay. first we're going with the hot goss. Like what's, what's the dating life? Like, how are you meeting people? Who are they? Name drop them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not meeting anyone and I'm not dating and I'm so happy. Oh my God. Are you so happy? When I wasn't dating, it was like, it's so funny because like I was a serial dater and my listeners know this, like dating so many guys and then, um, don't kill anyone. (laughs) And then I, um, after you were a serial dater, serial dater dating so many guys. And then I decided to completely go on a cleanse and not date at all. And it was like actually the best time of my life. Mm -hmm. And then I like, met my boyfriend like um probably eight months into that and like it felt right and i like loved him from the first second i met him so like obviously wanted to be with him but there was like something just i was so passionate about those eight months like it was just like Mm. self i don't know self-reflection yeah i think we've had a similar journey i was i guess you could say a serial dater i had four relationships in four years and one of them was two years long and then i jumped into another one that broke my heart i jumped into another one Maybe I still love him. Not really, though. I love the idea of him. Yeah. And then, the I mean, they just, none of them stuck. And, like, yeah. I agree with your psychic very much so that none of those relationships needed to be permanent to be impactful. Yes. And I think about that. We usually think about that as a negative thing. It's like, oh, this person fucked me over and, like, I'm going to carry that with me for the rest of my life, right? Like, I think about that in terms of, like, my assault, right? Yeah. Like, that's going to fuck me up in some way for the rest of my life and it's also going to liberate me in ways for the rest of my life if I choose that path which I am trying to all the time right and so at the same time the love that I had with like each of those guys each of those people um that can also stay with me forever yeah and and longevity is not measure that's not the measure of success that I yeah ascribe to me either so I did that for a while. And then I started this project called 100 Happy Dates because I realized I didn't know how to be alone. Yeah. I didn't know how to date myself. I didn't necessarily want so to be in my own company. We are like, we are like ping pong balls. Really? Like, I was the same way. Were like, you? I, the first chapter of my book is about the fact that I like was forcing myself to go out to dinner by myself because like I had like absolutely zero oh clue how to even sit in a space with myself by myself. Okay. So that's what I did. I did 100 dates where I would take myself to dinner, to a movie, to but something. I love it. The only rule was that I couldn't have my phone because I couldn't like scroll through anything and I could bring a journal and I could write if I wanted to. And I went to I went to random places first and then I started revisiting places that had emotional significance to the relationships and I started remarking them and taking my power back in them. Yeah, I love doing that. Yeah. And I did that for a while. And then and then we got into the pandemic and I, you know, had like little things here and there over the past few years. Nothing that was permanent. Um, <laughs> my ex just texted me the other day that he's still oh in love with me. Oh, my God. Is that a retrograde moment that I'm hearing? Is it retrograde? Something's retrograding. I don't know. Was it last Friday? <laughs> like, oh, um, my God. And so then I got lunch with him <gasps> and um, that was <laughs> horrible. And no. I cried on the street for a long time. Honestly, 
crying on the street of New York City is like so liberating. Like, and if, if I'd been prepared for it, it would have been more liberating. Like, yeah, you're like a, you were just like blindsided yeah. by it. So the hot goss is that I was really sad. Um, well, <laughs> that was just the it. hot goss is that I was really fucking sad. Well, and then the hot goss is like the week before that I'd gone to this like sex party and like I met Malik and I met like all these guys that are like if you watch the TikTok you're informed. Yeah. Um, and so this is so funny. Um, content warning: explicit story coming forth. And. Oh God. <laughs> So I go to this sex party at like the 1130 at night on a Tuesday or something, maybe a Thursday, some Tuesday. You know, normal night for me. And uh, it was on the Upper East Side. I live 45 minutes away from there. Yeah. And so I'm like on the fucking Crosstown bus. No. And I get there and like I arrive and they had just like completed whatever they were doing, like the five guys that were there. And so then I was like the new person and they were like all into me and it was amazing. And then this, uh, these other guys like arrived after and one of them, we just like locked eyes and like this man just like picked me up and like pushed me against That's the hot. wall. It was so hot. And, hot. uh-huh. And, um, and then I think we were doing the thing, uh, <laughs> the insane girl thing where we were like, <laughs> let's make each other jealous. And then I fucked this other guy and he fucked this other guy. And I was like, I hate this. I like, hate I'm it leaving so now. Much. I'm going to go cry back on the bus. <laughs> so I maybe cried in the bathroom. <laughs> And then sometimes you have to out. cry at the sex party, okay? I <laughs> like, I don't make the fucking rules. I came out, and then this other guy asked for my number, and so I gave him my number because he was like being all cute, but not the guy that like had fucked me against the wall. Yeah. And so then I got onto the app where like the party had been organized, and I messaged him, and he was like, "Low key, I was trying to find you. Like, I couldn't figure out which headless torso you were." Usually I have my face out, but I don't on this one particular app because I like to be anonymous sometimes. Yeah. And um, but like on Grinder, if you see me, it's me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think my bio says something like the answer is probably yes. <laughs> Someone had to say it. Someone had to say it. Um, and so then we <laughs> we've been texting. Um, I'm Ooh. gonna show you the most recent text that we had. This oh is my the God, hot goss. Please. Um, I said something like, stop, I have such a crush on you. And he said, glad the feeling's mutual. Because when you walked in the room, I went, star eyes. Oh, that's so cute. Which is, it's so it's fun to be at the early parts of like a little flirty <laughs> that's thing. the yeah. only part of relationships I actually like. I found oh, yeah. this. I'm not a fuck boy. Mostly because I'm not a boy. But also because I have really worked hard at my communication skills. And you're not right? a fuck person either. <laughs> not a fuck person either. <laughs> There's no such thing. Um, Maybe someone's going to come out and be like, James Rose is a fuck boy. And then here's why. I, that'd be hilarious. Honestly, I would love to. To hear if I've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, I will not text you back. That's true, but I tell everyone that ahead of time. Yeah. I have right now, I think, 387. I only text people back if it's pressing, like we're planning something, well. or if oh, you're yeah. pinned. And if you're not, like, oh, good no. fucking no, luck. Good luck. Like, if you're asking me a question, like, I am so sorry. Like, good luck. I also hate the idea that people think that we owe them responses, like, all day, every day. Like, no, we don't. My red receipts are on, though, so you know I'm not ignoring you. Yeah. And if you don't have your red receipts on, you will not be getting a response. You are not trustworthy. Yeah, that's. I'm so team red receipts. Uh-huh. I don't even know I had mine on. Then I got a new phone because I dropped mine in a pool. <laughs> and my boyfriend and my best friend were like, um, hello, where hello, are the are red, red receipts? receipts? They were like, I feel really uncomfortable. I'm glad you say red receipts because someone was like, mm -hmm, it's Re read receipts. No, I'm not. sorry. Do it's you also red. say Reese's pieces? Yeah, like, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> no way. God. So anyway, so Malik and I are texting now like All a right. lot. Um, might see him on Thursday. But I really ah. enjoy the like, I enjoy human connection with people and I enjoy the intimacy with people. Yeah. I, I've been working on, I was anxiously attached for a while. Then I was secure. None of those worked for me. So now I'm yeah. trying avoidant. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's works. really working for me. Either. See how it goes. We'll have to but check back in on part two. I do think that it is 
not a coincidence that the time in my life that I would consider when I have been the happiest and when I've been the most connected to myself, my purpose, the work I want to be doing, the legacy I want to leave is the time that I have not had a partner. Yeah, period. And I think that there is probably a lot of as I've come into myself as a trans person and I'm learning to love who I am under this new understanding of who I am. It's going to be difficult to let somebody into that and yeah. let them love me for those things yeah. because I don't even know what those things are to love yet. Yeah. And so I think that it's okay to pause for a yeah, while. Yeah, we have time. Um, it's like, you know, it's not like I'm actually avoiding it that I say that yeah. in jest and I'm not averse to it, but I don't find the idea of having a partner very interesting to me right now. Yeah, and that's okay. And I think okay. that's really important to honor. Yes, yes, I agree. That's my Saturn I return, I guess, right now. I love it. And now we have one last question for you. That's a question from me. What is the hair care routine? Like, the girls need to know. Like, when I was looking at your headshots, I'm like, okay, like, clearly there was a blowout involved. But, like, I need to know, like, what on the daily are you putting in your hair? I'll tell you. So we, this, the, the this girls, is my the listeners, hair. they love the products. Like, they love our product Listen, rack. Get like, your notepads out. I yeah, will come tell on, girlies. You, I do not gatekeep. This is my natural hair, right? It's In beautiful. New York winter. Thank you so much. Um, it's like I, shiny. Like, thank how's you. it shiny? Like, my hair is never like Genetics. My mom's looks just like this. Damn it. Yeah, I know. Um, here's what I do I wash it three times a week with Herbal Essences shampoo. Slay. And that's it? That's it. No. No, every time I'm like, guys, I love Pantene. They're like, you are putting cancer in your <laughs> hair. I'm like, I don't think that's possible, by the way. Like, that's what I do. Literally stop. Um, I only I limit the heat products I put on it. So half the time, if you see it like wavy or curled, it's because I wrapped it up in a scarf and did my um, heatless, heatless curl, curls, which I really do love. Um, I don't put a lot of hairspray when I do that because I don't want to have breakage. Yeah. Um, I did start taking a biotin supplement because I want to grow it out like down to my hips and then like cut it here and donate yeah. it. I've always wanted to donate my hair. Um, and, uh, that's it. Just like I limit heat products to maybe twice a month. So like for my most recent headshots, all I did, it took me 10 minutes. I just curled it with a wand and then I brushed it. And you have beautiful jeans is what we're realizing. (laughs) Can you tell the listeners? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Next. Um, I wash my face (laughs) once a week with water and I put nothing on it. No, I'm literally like pissed. (laughs) I'm pissed. (laughs) <laughs> me goes home throws out all my products you have such a good skincare routine you yeah, know what you're you. doing i just like my product like on our part two episode we'll be doing more gossip and then we'll also um do like a live do action um glinda alphaba duet and then we'll also yes. do a skincare routine but since we're running out of time <laughs> tell the listeners where they can find you now so they can find you before the part two you can find me at the that sex party on thursday yeah. with just kidding <laughs> We will. Find I'm me. coming. Like I'm gonna walk in. They're gonna be like, "Who the fuck did you bring here?" Like she is not allowed. <laughs> I'm totally. This is my friend. She's like so. Cool. She's so cute. She's, she's like, like a little. So she's like a little Polly Pocket. Are you all fine with that? Did yeah. everyone sign a release? It'll be up on YouTube. Sign an NDA. On YouTube, you'll get banned. Yeah, no, you porn. It'll be on Twitter. <laughs> it'll be on Eli's. Yeah, alt. it'll be on Twitter. I'll put. I'll put it on TikTok. It'll. I'll get my whole account violated and banned. I'm actually here to just ruin my career. <laughs> Let's have fun. Okay. Um, I will answer your question. This is really short. Everyone just hang on for a second. All the things everyone said that were going to ruin my career are the things that made it happen. I'll just say that. Period. End of story. Yeah. Everyone told me don't speak about a transphobia. Just be quiet and take like it girl. with a grain of salt. 
um, and just don't even worry that people are doing horrible things. And I said, no. no. And then I started talking about it and people respect me. And the oh, there are people yeah. that don't respect me because they're transphobic. And then people were like, don't grow your hair. Don't change your look. Don't be non-binary. And then those are the things that are my best assets yeah. and attributes and what bring true value to an artistic community. So I when someone it. says, don't change that thing about you, really consider what their motive is. Yeah. Because everyone who told me not to change just was afraid that I was going to buck the status quo and that they were going to have to get a personality. Yeah. So Period. or they were not they were going to have to embrace their own individuality. Yeah. And they were training to be a sheep. Hell yeah. Don't do it. Um, where you can find me. I am on <laughs> TikTok and Instagram. Those are my only social medias. I'm at oh, James is smiling on both of them. Drop a comment, a DM, say hi. Yeah, say hi. Um, you can also find me at Jessica Chastain on all platforms. <laughs> Just as a second. That's your Finsta. I DM'd the Dolls House Broadway Instagram and was like, I look like her. We have the same jawline. You may know yeah. this from my content. Here's an example. Photo. I would like to work with you. And they were like, Great, we'll keep you in mind for future opportunities. Then they and they never reached out again. That was this morning. Oh, they responded oh. and we're like, okay, so well, it's like, so we'll see what happens. I tried to book it, but I didn't. Um, that's fine. I'm not mad. And uh, not so you mad. cannot find me, unfortunately, at the Hudson Theater under study of Jessica Chastain, as was my yet, plan. yet. We're gonna do a film together. We're, we're gonna do Euphoria together. She's yeah. gonna be my mom. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching and tuning in. I think this was an incredibly lucrative experience. I love you. I love you we'll so much. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>